0: morning, Your Honors. Thomas Boyd here on behalf of the appellant, Todd Mortier, who represents Kason Interventionals' former owners. Appellants sold Kason with its innovative transcatheter mitral valve replacement device to Levanova in 2017. Levanova subsequently breached the terms of the party's purchase agreement, and appellants sued. Appellants have brought forth substantial fact and expert evidence to support their claims against Levanova. However, the district court erroneously held that the purchase agreement allowed Levanova to operate the business as it saw fit, and in doing so, rendered the terms of the negotiated uh, purchase agreement meaningless. Further, the court erroneously, uh, rather than submitting the case to the jury, erroneously weighed the evidence, disregarded expert evidence, and summarily entered judgment. In favor of Levanova, there is more than sufficient evidence, there is substantial evidence for a jury to conclude that Levanova failed to do what they promised to do. And therefore, appellants asked the court to reverse the judgment and remand for a jury trial. Under the terms of the party's sale, appellants agreed to defer $39.6 million, more than half of the purchase price, in reliance on Levanova's agreement to undertake such efforts, use such level of care, and make business decisions consistent with the efforts, the level of care, and business decisions leave Innova and its affiliates generally employed to obtain the remaining regulatory approvals to bring the device to market. This is a multidimensional obligation, <laughs> imposing an efforts requirement, a level of care requirement, and a business decision-making requirement Each of which must be consistent with Levanova's efforts, level of care, and decision making as to other businesses that it had invested in.
1: Well, you state that generally, and you argue it generally in the main brief, but you rely on Section 4.3. Yes. And um, appellees even fail to highlight the relevant portion. 0.3, Okay, Correct. Point 0.3, but you you return to it in your reply brief, and that is the related to regulatory approval, and the district court said that identifies no disputed issue of material facts showing that Levanova failed to undertake the efforts of, and level of care necessary to be cons- consistent with the efforts and level of care generally employs in seeking regulatory approval for its SPIs. And that, that to me is kind of the essence of of the issue on appeal. And my question is, even in your reply brief, I don't see any identification of failure to meet, to to act consistently, insofar as seeking regulatory approval, because because bailing out before they get approvals is is granted. I mean, that's everybody recognizes the possibility of that. So, was what was the regulatory approval? breach?
0: The, the breach was multifold. First of all, they did not apply the resources. They did not imply the efforts.
1: So where's the evidence that that had anything to do with with the status or likelihood of regulatory approval?
0: The, the evidence is in their own projected results. First of all, with regard to um, going back to the contract, and I, I would suggest to the court, we've been consistent both in the opening brief and in the reply brief, to emphasize all aspects of 4.3, the requirements for efforts, the requirements for level of care, and the decision-making, all three. This isn't just a process. This requires the application of resources. Rather than applying consistent resources to our business compared to the others.
1: I mean, from standpoint of 4.3, the argument isn't linked the regulatory approval process. It
0: absolutely is. If you fail to apply the resources and undermine the ability to achieve those regulatory goals, you're killing it in the room. You're killing it before it gets a chance to get off the ground. As opposed to all of the other comparable uh, businesses. Where do
1: I go on the record for that specific
0: evidence? you You can go to the Crosby report, which sets forth all of the evidence with regard to... The comparators, I would specifically... He doesn't doesn't interpret contracts in court. No, he doesn't. He sets forth what the evidence is, and on pages 38 as well as 56, actually I'll cite to the um, appendix, pages 44, pages 62, 63, 72, 78, and 113, he compares the resources that were applied to the Leva or to the Kason uh, business compared to the other comparables, which the parties had agreed would be the comparables. That's the universe to compare it with. What, do you, under- what do you think is the
2: significance of that language that Judge Loken was quoting? Seeking, prosecuting, and eventually obtaining product regulatory approvals—is that a limitation on the obligation? Uh, so that it. So, in other words. That there are certain efforts and business decisions that are not employed generally in the process of seeking regulatory approval and those would not be covered, but there are other business decisions and uh, levels of care and so forth that are oriented toward regulatory approvals, and those would be covered. Are we talking about two different actions by the company or are you're not you don't agree with that? You think it's no. all
0: all, no, everything's no. covered? They, the, 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 the Levanova invested in a number of businesses. And they're all encompassed in the strategic investment portfolio. The, the reason they invested was to bring those products to market. The way to bring them to market is get regulatory approval. That's the common denominator. The one that, the, when you look at the evidence, and again, uh, the Crosby report is so saying catalog, it's almost showing...
2: surplusage because every product has to go through regulatory approval. So, you think that it's just sort of odd language to have if it has no.
0: Well, it's, it, it's not odd language insofar as the parties wanted to embody what their expectations were. And here we're talking about the development of a medical device that, in order to get it to commercial use, has to go through the regulatory process. Further, again, my clients uh, deferred more than half.
1: A very difficult process.
0: Deferred more than half of the purchase price contingent on going through that process, relying on the good faith efforts of the purchaser to apply the resources to uh, exert the level of care and to make the business decisions that are aimed towards obtaining the regulatory approval. You know, we, we may have a disagreement between Levanova and my clients as to whether they brought to bear all of those requirements, but that's a jury question. That's not for the judge to decide as a matter of law. Well, that you've got to give enough. You've got to give enough evidence, though, to get to the jury, right? Yeah. Okay. And, and, did you do that? Yes, we did. We certainly did.
1: That's getting to breach. We're ta- we're talking about what what is. It? What is the interpretation of 4.0? 4.0 right, and court. and this court just as your the, your interpretation is to me makes it a an almost un, almost under incomprehensible incomprehensibly incom- broad warranty that very few, if any, courts would would enforce.
0: Well, this is what first of all this is what the, the parties negotiated rather they th-
1: negotiated that limit what I do consider it a limitation. A clear limitation, based upon why they went to Soren in the first place, because that's what Soren knew how to do.
0: Without that language, what would the what would the provision mean? If it's just efforts, level of care, and business uh, decisions, to do what? Right. It's to pursue. It's to pursue okay. now, the the, now the reason that the raison d'etre. Uh, it's to pursue the very purpose of the transaction.
1: But I don't see any I mean all of the things that the district court describes in terms of that were of market and competitive conditions that were threatening the likelihood and certainly the length of regulatory approval, those those,
0: e- even, those e- aren't e- breaches even though the company's own internal rate of return scored us on the high end even though Ernst and Young said that our chances of going through regulatory approval were high
1: likelihoods pretty important
0: yeah yeah likelihood as is good faith and fair dealing to the extent that they have any discretion under this provision they have to pursue, they, they they need to put forth the requisite efforts to pursue the regulatory approval. They failed to do that. They cut our budget to the, to the extent they decided they wanted to go in a different direction.
1: I don't see anything, any reference to dealings with CE or FDA that were interfered with or delayed or postponed or or aggravated or whatever, negatively affected by the, all the things that are in these
0: massive appendix. How about shuttering the company? How can you deal <laughs> with the FDA when you close down the business? You say, okay, we cut. We, we agreed to pay you the million, but of the we're going to go to a different business line.
1: That's at the end of the road. When, well, market, when market and competitive conditions have shown this is hopeless.
0: Uh, okay, you you have to you, to you, you
1: have you, to go to FDA and say is this hopeless now,
0: Your Honor? You've just made a finding of fact. Let the jury decide whether it's hopeless. Frankly, the evidence is far from I demonstrating that. I
1: understand, and that's that's the
0: that's absolutely the question for the jury.
1: No, but the question is if if we in, after you properly interpret four point three. Then, right then, is there evidence of breach to get you to
0: the jury? And, and I'm cutting into my time, so let me be brief. First of all, in order to interpret 4.3, you have to give it meaning. If you interpret it to let Levanova operate the way it wants to, <laughs> it's meaningless. It writes out efforts. It writes out level of care. It writes out business decisions. I, With you know, regard to evidence, Your Honor, again, there is substantial evidence, and we my me-
1: way or there's no way. I'm saying no. A reasonable interpretation can be. Can be
0: halfway. Okay. And that's, that's what I'm arguing for. And to the extent there's any discretion, then the implied duty of good faith and fair dealing apply. But their interpretation, the district court's interpretation, renders it meaningless. It can't just be you can do business the way you want to. That's no contract provision at all.
1: I just read you a passage where that isn't the way the district court read. It.
0: Well, I mean, that's,
1: that, that's the rest of the that's the rest of the discussion because that's the way it was briefed. But that's it seems to me the district court was more.
0: Character- that's what the court held on page ten and page eleven of its of its what, opinion.
2: What, what are you referring to?
0: The district court's decision. No, but I mean, what statements? Oh, Levanova argues the provision allowed it to operate the business as it saw fit. On the next page. The court adopted that. This provision does not mean that Levanova was not free to operate its business as it saw fit. It found that that was the reasonable interpretation. That renders the provision meaningless. It writes out efforts. It writes out level of care. And it renders decision-making to uh, just a meaningless process. So you think it means that the
2: Jury or uh, fact finder has to compare how they proceeded with this outfit, this company, versus what?
0: With the, the other businesses that made up the strategic investment portfolio. And they're specifically identified. Again, whether the expert report comes in or not, the evidence is set forth that the here.
2: The jury is supposed to look at the whole portfolio and decide... Did they treat this company in terms of seeking regulatory approval the way they treated everybody else?
0: Exactly. Did they shutter this company without applying the resources and putting in the effort, whereas other companies that had the same issues it decided to continue to pursue? That is the epitome of inconsistency, and a jury can find that's inconsistent and that's a breach. And the internal rate of return is a great example. That's specifically called out by the parties in the negotiated provision, 4.3. In 2018, Quezon had the highest internal rate of return, which meant it had the greatest projected rate of success in 2018, as compared to these other businesses. And we're not asking the jury to go out on the street and find out who these businesses are. These are specifically identified businesses that the parties agree constitute the universe for comparison. I have 33 seconds left, if I could reserve my time.
3: Good morning, Your Honors. May it please the Court. The District Court correctly granted summary judgment for Levanova, and this Court should affirm. I'll focus on the Section 4.3 claim, like Mr. Boyd did, which turns on contract interpretation. As the District Court correctly held, Section 4.3 unambiguously gave Levanova the discretion to make business decisions based on its own financial interests. Consistent with the way it did other businesses, right? The scope, yeah, was set by its own practices, not an objective third-party standard, its own practices. And the standard for measurement, Your Honor, was consistent with, consistent with what it did generally, from time to time. It was not, the standard is not the same as or similar to, it's consistent with. What consistent with means is the decisions here have to be explainable by the same principles you apply everywhere, the same business decisions. That's the metric. This is business decisions is a clear reference to Delaware's business judgment rule. Justice Frankfurter says when you bring in the term it brings the old soil with it. And it business say it,
2: business judgment.
3: No, your honor, but the Delaware statement of the business judgment rule is expressly based on business decisions. That's the Parnes decision from the Delaware Supreme Court. That's their basic statement of the rule. It's Delaware 1999. But what this says, on
1: Granting summary judgment or or not after trial?
3: What's that? Well, the the statement in Parnes was was business judgment rule generally. But in, in terms of cases that grant summary judgment on clauses like this, the closest case here is the Banus versus Volcano Corp case. Um, it, it was actually in the Northern District of California, but Judge Oreck was applying Delaware law. The reason it's so similar is because it granted summary judgment for the defendant, and the clause there was a self-referential clause, like our clause is, oh, Your Honor. It defi- I,
1: I, I'm looking for what case you're talking about. Yeah,
4: it's in the red brief. Is it
3: in your yeah, brief? Yeah, it's in the red brief. It's Banas, B-A-N-A-S, versus Volcano Court. Oh, the Corp. language was
2: not the same as this language, was it?
3: No, it, there isn't any clause in any right. of the cases that directly this matches. This is unique this one. But the, the relevant part there is it was self-referential. It was the same kind of standard you have to do, make reasonable decisions based on being consistent with what you ordinarily do. All of the cases that, that Mortier, more the plaintiff cites here, are best efforts cases or commercially re- reasonable external. Not a single one of them has Why this language. Why
2: do you language. think Bannis is helpful? It was self-referential and, and the court said what?
3: Well, and it granted summary judgment, and, and it granted summary judgment on the same basis that we're saying is proper here in the district court recognized, which is that this clause unambiguously gives discretion to make business decisions as long as they're consistent with, not the same as. So, for example, you can make opposite decisions and still have them be consistent. You can give one product more, give one product less. How could that be consistent? Well, if this one that you raised has greater opportunity, less risk, and this one that you cut has less opportunity and more risk, that's consistent. And so who decides that?
2: Who decides whether that's
3: what they did? In, in the first instance, the business decides, and that's where the discretion comes in. There is no way, and this goes to your point, Judge Loken, your question, there is no way, nobody agrees under Delaware law to a contract provision that makes every single business decision a fact question of breach. Nobody agrees to that, and that's not what Delaware law says. That's where the discretion comes in. That's so I bet you'd have trouble proving that, but isn't it true that
4: 4.3 says you've got to consider cost-benefit return to return, return on the similar business decisions? So it does give factors.
3: Yeah, like I said, there's referential. We are not arguing, Your Honor, that you don't look at what happened to case on and compare it to what leave a note with the others and ask, are they consistent? The, the two questions are: is, does consistent with mean the same as or explainable on the same business principles? That's one key thing. And the second thing is: is there any kind of discretion here, or is this always straight up de novo so that everything's always a fact issue? Our argument is: there's no way it's de novo, everything's a fact issue. That's not what Delaware law says, and that's well, not what this says.
2: I don't understand what you mean. It's not what Delaware law says. It's a question of what the parties agreed to.
3: Exactly, Your Honor. And here they referred to business. So let's look at the indications that there's discretion. Number one, it says you get to make business decisions. The whole concept of making decisions is discretionary. And then not only do you get to make decisions, but they don't have to be the same. They only have to be consistent with. Like I said, you have to be able to explain them by the same financial factors. And then consistent with what? not with any particular other thing, but just what you do generally. And not even that, but generally what you do from time to time. And not only that, but you can include all of these financial considerations and business considerations, including costs and benefit. Don't you think you have to consider those, those considerations? I think that if they made a decision without thinking about any business-oriented thing at all, they would breach No, those. I'm talking about cost-benefit, internal return, return investments,
4: the ones that are listed. Don't I, you have to consider those?
3: I don't think, Your Honor, that you have to produce a slide deck saying, okay, here's IRR, here's return on investment, here's cost-benefit. I, I don't think it's that Home. at all. Why are they mentioned in the contract then? I, it's an including. It's a permissive grant. To leave Innova to consider things that are in its own financial interest. It isn't required to act against its interests, right? There are clauses that require you to act to maximize sales and earnouts. The, the con med decision that both, that the, that the plaintiff cites has one of those. You had to take actions to maximize sales and earnouts. That's not this at all. This allows leave Innova to act in its own business decisions. And here's what happened. Four things happened. Levanova's chief competitor, Abbott, had a clinical triumph. Right? This, This is the quote. It wildly surpassed expectations. So that happened in September of 2018. Biggest competitor had a triumph. Two months later, you know what happened to our clinical with Kaysen? It was a catastrophe. They had to shut it down because too many people were dying and getting seriously injured. Out of 30 patients, seven died within 30 days. And this, this is the critical part here. Don't take our word for it. This is the FDA reviewer that said they had significant concerns, and our internal conclusion was we had to shut it down before likely getting forced to do so by the FDA. Right. back right. Back-to-back months. Competitor has a triumph. We have a catastrophe. September, November. Then you hit the first quarter, and Levanova has a big earnings miss. None of this is disputed. And so it's sitting there, and it's asking, all right, now what do we do? What they did is they made a business decision. There are three key slide decks, Your Honors, from February, April, and October 2019. Just if you want to go see what their decision-making was. They start at Appendix 942, Appendix 956, and Appendix 1024. And basically what they say is, all right, we're in a cash crunch now. We need to make decisions. And what they concluded was CASEN would cost the most would take the longest to get profitable, had the highest risk. So what are we going to choose? We're not going to choose the one that costs the most, takes the longest, and has the highest risk. And there's no dispute, and out of all of the things that are argued by the other side, there's no argument about whether it costs the most, take the longest, or had the highest risk. Those are the business factors, and and you know the, the real question, I think, for the other side under under this clause and on this is, is there any business decision that they think Leva canova would make that would not create an issue of fact for a jury, any at all? Like, how many more people would have to die? How much more would it have to cost? How much longer would it have to take? How much better would the competitor have to do before it's not a fact they question? To,
1: they didn't have to agree to four point three.
3: No. If. <clears throat>
1: If that's a fair reading of the intent of this and that's, decision, so be it.
3: That's the question, Your Honor, isn't it? It's a contract I interpretation. You, you
1: think my <clears throat> focus on the regulatory approval is misguided?
3: Well, Your Honor, I agree with you that there's no argument about them about anything going wrong in the regulatory approval process directly. Our position has been always that the reason there's no fact issue here is because of what I said which is that this creates discretion on that to make business decisions. That's the only fair reading of this. And that within that, as long as it's explainable by these same factors, there's, there's no fact question on this. Now, they argue... What does that
2: mean, explainable by the same factors? I mean, you could explain it by the same factors in an unreasonable way. Would that be still still no breach?
3: No, no, Your Honor. In so in what the, you,
2: well, what's the standard then? The, well, what do you mean? Explainable by the same factors. Let's he, say, let's say they say we looked at all these factors and we we rejected case on and uh, mm-hmm. how do we analyze it then? Whether that's the, permissible or not?
3: The the standard we think applies is the Delaware uh, business judgment standard, and, and this no, is Parnes. It, Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I hear what Your Honor is saying, well, I mean,
2: right? It's an all or nothing. You're pretty much arguing, you know, it's business judgment rule, so as long as it's a business judgment, we win.
3: And well, the sides here, kind of arguing everything goes to the
2: jury, you know. Here, here's what and, and the Delaware so what, standard
3: actually is, Your Honor. It's where the decision under tack is so far beyond the bounds of reasonable judgment that it seems inexplicable on any ground other than bad faith. So you think it's a bad faith? All this
2: requires is good faith.
3: I, I think there are, it I good faith and You could have written
2: bad. it a lot more simply if you just wanted to say we're applying the no business judgment rule. Good faith is all that's
3: required. I I want to distinguish, Your Honor, between subjective good faith and in objective readings because I don't. Objective bad faith would clearly breach. Attempting to shift profits to avoid milestones would clearly breach. So in that subjective way. But there are other things that you could make that would be inexplicable. So, for example, suppose the facts were flipped here. The, the competitor has a terrible clinical trial. We have a great clinical trial. We're flush with cash, and we cut it anyway. right? Unless there's something else there, that would breach this clause. And it, it doesn't have to do with bad faith or good faith subjectively like that. But it just wouldn't be a business decision anymore. It would be inexplicable. And so that sort of thing would breach. So th- this clause is not meaningless, it, but it's not super tight, right? It gives broad discretion on here. And, and what compared to other clauses, and they, they point this out, often what merger agreements will do is they'll have two things, and they'll be sort of inconsistent. They'll say the buyer has sole discretion, but you have to use objectively, commercial, reasonable efforts nonetheless and then courts have to figure out what goes on. This clause combined the two. Instead of having competing clauses, said you get to make business decisions based on financial considerations. And that's the standard that the district court concluded it applied, and that's the standard that we think is the correct one because it, it solves these two extremes. It, it gives it meaning. So
2: if it was a good-faith decision but inexplicable, that would breach?
3: Yes, Exactly. So the question
2: you think for us is whether a reasonable jury could find this to be an inexplicable decision?
3: Yes. Exactly. So that's
2: your standard. Okay. And and,
3: it's and does easy. that
4: include the three factors that are listed?
3: Yeah, it, it does. And so I want to – let me speak directly to internal rate of return. Yeah, please. On that, um, first of all um, – Uh, The other side is overstating the difference on internal rate of return. We put it in our brief exactly, and this was in line with the other internal rates of return. It wasn't awesome. It wasn't terrible. It was there. Internal rate of return doesn't speak at all either to risk. Like There's nothing about it that speaks to risk. Counsel, you
4: didn't put risk in the contract.
3: Sure we did. Cost-benefit. Return
4: on investment. It's usually risk-reward. We're going to proceed.
3: Your Honor, if, if, if we want to go to the mat on whether business decisions includes taking into account risk... I'm pretty confident on that one, but so it, it cost, benefit, and risk. Internal rate of return doesn't go on risk. You can have a high internal rate of return because it's just based on your projections of what might happen, and be terribly risky. This was the highest risk one. It was the highest risk from a technology perspective. It was highest risk clinically. It was highest risk commercially. That's in the slide decks. Internal rate of return doesn't count. We can, for that. We can cut the chase on my concern, because I've no. not looked at your slide desk.
4: Yeah. Do they have cost benefit, internal return, and return investment? Yeah. Three? Sure they do. Okay. A lot or a little. So the internal rate of return. I'm sorry, can you answer the question in the instance time? Is that a, they have a lot in those three factors or little on those three factors? I'm I'm sorry, I'm you know, not sure. You know, if the slides, will a lot of them have cost benefit, internal return, and in return and investment or
3: not? Did they spend a lot of time on it? Yeah, mind?
4: yeah. you know, the slides, do they have those Oh, the no,
3: they, there isn't a lot of time on those three factors. Okay. There's a lot of time on finances generally. Uh, but in these three decks, there's not a lot on those three particular factors. There are other documents that have them. Sure. But it, it's clear here, they, they said it would cost the most, take the longest, be the most risky. We shouldn't do it. And and that's that does not state a breach of this contract. Uh, so, your honor, should affirm. If you have further questions, I'm I'm at my time. I'm glad to answer them, Judge Benton. No, no. i just
4: smiling that you
3: were done. All right. Thank you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I'll give you two minutes for a rebuttal.
0: Thanks so much, your honor. Uh, first of all, you've just heard Levanova's closing or opening argument uh, to the jury. They've set forth their view of the evidence. Uh, we have rebutted that factual recitation in our reply brief at pages 12 to 15, as well as again the evidence that's chronicled in the Crosby report. Uh, Judge Colleton, you asked, who decides? It's the jury who decides. Um, This is a uniquely...
2: What what do you have to show to get to a jury? Are you saying every... Is there any case that would not be a jury case under your reading of it?
0: Certainly there would be some. Uh, First of all, let me frame it. This is not a business judgment rule provision. As the court has recognized, it would have been easy for the parties to have done that. That's not what this says. To the extent application and, and the provision provides or the requirement is, to seek, prosecute, and eventually obtain regulatory approval. If we do all, if Libanova did all those things and the EU still said no, you don't have to keep trying. So there are a number of circumstances in which perhaps uh, it would not be a jury question. Um, With regard to the Bannis case, um, we distinguish that on page 11, footnote 10, of our reply brief, in that case, there were no comparables. Here, we have five comparables that have been identified. With regard did you give to enough, yes or no, did you give enough information on the five comparables? Excuse me.
4: Did you give enough information about oh, yeah. the five
0: comparables? I, again, the Crosby report is the size of a phone book. The analysis of or the information about the about the comparables was before the management team. It was constantly reviewed. That's what the, the jury is entitled to review.
2: Well, One you, last you point, agree? Your Honor, if I, am
0: well, sorry, go ahead. go ahead, no.
2: Well, yes. I just wanted to know if you agreed that your, your, your product or your caissons uh, initiative would cost the most, take the longest, and have the highest risk. I disagree. Is that I disagree,
0: and that's contrary to the IRR, which, uh, which Levanova itself calculated, and Ernst and & White uh, did independently. Well, he says
2: IRR doesn't
0: really doesn't really uh, there again it's, go it, to it, risk. Just our discussion reflects why there All should right. be decided. Wait, what is your trade. last point? My last point, Your Honor, there was quite an emphasis by Levanova's counsel about the discretion that apparently they view as built in to four point three. If that's the case, then the fact issues are: did they act reasonably and did they act in good faith? Delaware law. Airborne Health versus Squid Soap, um, nine eighty four Atlantic Second one twenty six at one forty six and forty seven and footnote one says when a contract confers discretion on one party the implied covenant requires that the discretion be used reasonably and in good faith. Is Those are fact is issues for the, in the
1: briefs.
0: It is okay. Yes, yes, your honor, uh, and that's in our main brief as well as uh, the, the reply. To the extent that the 4.3 allows for discretion, there's still an issue for the jury to decide as to whether they act reasonably and in good faith. And for all the reasons set forth in our brief and in the Crosby report, the evidence shows they were not acting reasonably and it was not in good faith. Thank you for your your time this morning, Your Honors.